0: So, I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hey there, and welcome back to Jewelry Navigator Podcast. Today, as we wrap up Women's History Month in a couple of days, I share my visit with Noor Shama, jewelry designer, single mother, and driven career woman. Noor is the epitome of self-motivation and drive. She gracefully achieves balance and peace through her persona, jewelry designs, and practices compassion through it all with sustainable practices in the sources she chooses for her jewelry. While managing a full-time career in marketing communications with motherhood, Noor stays grounded through the creative processes of her eponymous jewelry collection and business, Noor Shama. Inspired by childhood creative passions of needlework, Noor combines detail reminiscent of meticulous needlework with the complexity inherent in architecture as main focal points of her aesthetic. At the time I recorded my conversation with Noor, she had recently completed several shows and engagements with Noor Shama Jewelry from New York at Meadow and Smith to London Fashion Week. Between then and now, the COVID-19 health crisis put a screeching halt to any and all gatherings, as we all know, and put a hold on shows that we so look forward to meeting new designers and catching up with them. We look forward to when we can share and see jewelry firsthand at shows again. But until then, I'll continue to share the stories of designers and jewelry. As we adjust to this new normal, sort of a holding pattern, if you will, to getting back to our regular daily lives, everybody please stay safe and healthy, practice safe social distancing, isolate if you need to, and just let's take care of each other and check in as much as possible. I know our lives are disrupted with things that we weren't anticipating. To keep busy and engaged, I'm in the process of creating new podcasts and ways to engage and stay connected. And I'll keep you posted as I share them, like story time with jewelry books that I have and video content I'm creating on how to clean jewelry at home, spring cleaning our jewelry boxes. So stay tuned and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Jewelry Navigator. I also have some exciting news and an announcement that I'll share with you shortly about a platform that I've joined. So keep listening. For now, enjoy Nora's story where I begin my visit with her as she explains that her day job is head of marketing and communications for an exclusive university specializing in AI. You can visit my website, JewelryNavigator.com for the transcript of this podcast which should be available within the next day or so as well as photos and videos of nor's jewelry thanks so much for joining me and welcome aboard
1: i have a very um, rich communications background branding and marketing in specific mm-hmm. and of course pr and media so it's it's technically my bread and butter i've been doing it since i graduated from I graduated from university doing my bachelor's, and then a few years ago I did my master's degree in the same field. So this has always been my full-time thing, but I've always had the artsy side of things on the side. Mm -hmm. So um, I've I've always I've always needed a creative medium to express myself through. I've always needed that. I used to draw and paint since I was a kid. I've been doing needlework and and, and cross stitching and, and knitting since I was like seven um, I still do a lot of needlework and cross stitching like that's been my one constant um, I've done a few exhibitions I've sold my drawings and paintings so I've always had the artsy side of that that was like my creative outlet. it was always my that that therapeutic thing that I, I could do and just like lose myself within And and because I'm a very I'm always on high alert. I've always had a full-time job. I'm a mother. I have so many responsibilities, and I, I, like I'm, like sometimes I feel too wired. This is the only place where I can just like unwind and focus on this one thing and get lost in it. And I just love that feeling. And the the funny part was that jewelry was never in the picture. I never, for a moment, like how you come to me a few years ago and said you're going to be you're going to be a jewelry designer. I would be like. What you must be kidding! <laughs> and um, I I don't even know how like it was such a coincidence. But then there was the curiosity of trying to um, try out things and experiment. It started off with c- sketching, and then um, I tried to find a supplier, like a manufacturer. I did a few pieces, and then I took a GIA course, and I was so into it. I was so attentive in class. I was asking questions. I was writing notes. I aced all the exams, and that's when I realized I love this. I'm so interested in it because, like, I've always been, I'm very street smart. I just don't like studying, but I was also a very good student because I'm an eldest child, um, eldest of five girls, high expectations. Like, so I had to study because I had to study, but I never liked this. But then with when I was doing my master's, for example, it was something I loved. I was so passionate about it. And same thing when I was doing, like the jewelry stuff, the experimenting, the exploring, the reading, the, it just like it was one of those things where seven hours later you're like, I can't believe I sat doing this for seven hours.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's when you know, like you you're passionate about it, and you you like this is something that you can do for a long time and not get bored. And yeah, so I just a few years ago, like one of my a few a few people in my life did recommend that I get into jewelry design because they like how I style my own jewelry and mm-hmm. the pieces I, I pick and the way I layer and I was like yeah wearing jewelry is completely different from making jewelry I don't have the experience I don't have the background I, I don't even know the difference between 18 and 14 carats. like why is 18 carats better like in our and in, in especially in, in parts certain cultures and then when I got into it and I, I did all that studying and research and I started to understand how things work um I just I was fascinated by it and I I had the design background so that helped with the sketching I the funny part is I used to do paper models out of the designs I wanted to do so I would actually spend hours like it reminded me of design school so many moons back where I'd sit overnight doing paper models of whatever assignments I had but now this time I'm 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 creating these designs and I try them out with paper and wires and I put them on to to see the size because I'm a very visual person I need to see things mm-hmm. and the thing is I'm also very visual in a sense where I can see it in my head but I need to explain it to someone because I'm very particular and that's a good thing and a bad thing because I can be very difficult in a sense where I can see it a certain way and I know it's going to happen and you better make it happen. And my manufacturers and the teams I work with sometimes go like, no, it's not going to work. And I'm like, just do it. Or or like I'd show it to a couple of people. I'd explain it to a couple of people and they're like, I don't think that's going to look good or I'm not a big fan. And then the piece comes out and everyone's like, oh my God. And I'm like, see, I told you I could see it. (laughs) So it's it's exhausting sometimes because I'm in my head a lot creating all this stuff and I feel helpless that I can't make jewelry in my own hands. So I have to find a different medium to create these small paper samples, I'd actually take them to the jeweler and I'd be like, this is what I have in mind. This is how it looks. There's a lot of trial and error and there there was disappointment at the beginning, but then there are many pleasant surprises, mm-hmm. many errors that turn like one of the errors turned into my bestseller piece, the U-hoop. And it's just, it's fascinating and I think jewelry designing and, and getting into this industry allowed me to loosen up in certain aspects. But then there was that feeling of, okay, I, I just need to accept that not everything will work out the way I want it to.
2: Mm-hmm. But there
1: are and you, you become more open minded in a sense of maybe there are other ways of doing it. So it, it encourages creative thinking, resilience, perseverance, all these qualities, which I had, but then Now it's just like more enforced and it's more developed and more refined.
2: Knowing that you have that picture in your head and knowing in your heart you're so passionate about it and you know it can work, but being prepared and learning from from mistakes and learning from failures, but then turning them into an actual, you know, a triumph or, you know, you pivot and you go a different direction. Like you just said, your U-hoop, what was that originally intended to be like?
1: A cufflink. <laughs> oh, my
2: gosh, you're kidding.
1: The mechanism wasn't working. It wasn't safe, basically. And then I tried the cufflink on my ear and I loved it. And I was like, hold on, what if we flip this? And I just made slight tweaks and it just turned into the most beautiful earring. It became my signature piece, my bestseller piece. They've sold out so many times. I've remanufactured them so many times. I've done them in other variations with diamonds and rubies and emeralds. They're one of those pieces that they just stand out. And these were meant to be cufflinks. You know what I mean? Right. But it was, it was insane. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And it's like I, I had that prototype in silver, and I'm like, but I still love their design. I feel like it can be something. And I, I literally put it into, like, my, my earlobe. I just did a few tweaks. He redid it for me, and then it just like it was exactly what I was looking for. I didn't know I was looking for it, but I mean, like it just turned into this most beautiful. It, it was like a piece of craftsmanship, like this piece of art that was so well engineered. But again, it was it was an error that mm-hmm. resulted in this piece. And I think the trick is trying to find opportunity when you feel like. I think the problem is the very cliche. Um, Thing where you stare at a closed door for so long you don't notice the other windows or doors opening and I think that's I, I learned to always look for opportunity when I least expect it because I try I try not to be distracted by the challenges and the obstacles because that's what they are they are distractions they're they're inevitable but they are a distraction but right. you need to keep going exactly so let's talk a
2: little bit about your your aesthetic, your design and mm-hmm. your connection to the geometry and the symmetry yeah. in your in your pieces. Where did that develop and where do you get your inspiration for your designs?
1: Um well, I have been doing needlework and stitching um since I was 6 or 7. Like I there was so much pattern. There's a lot of counting when it comes to needlework and stitching and cross stitching and there's that detail and I am borderline obsessed with details I just love details Mm -hmm. and the more detailed it is the more complex it is the more intrigued I am and then I also love architecture so much but unfortunately I hate math and I suck at math so (laughs) that was not going to happen for me Um, but I, I admire architecture I love how every place you go to has its own aesthetic in terms of architecture and and, and design patterns, I feel like that's what I'm always drawn to. And because I'm very organized, like, I'm very, everything has to be detailed, everything has to be perfect. And I I wish I knew how to deal with chaos, I wish I was more, like less uptight and more chilled and laid back. But then I think it works with my design aesthetic, because everything is just so perfectly done, everything is so aligned. And you see the geometry and you see how, all for example, my of rings perfectly fall into each other. Everything is very multifunctional. There is this engineering. And the funniest part is every time I'm exhibiting or I'm at an event, people ask if I have an engineering or architectural background. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, in a way, I fulfilled that dream but in a different medium. And maybe those miniature architectural wearable pieces are – my form of architecture, you know, and it's, it's just, I don't, I, I'm just fascinated by it. I wish I can build a building, but I mean, I can make beautiful jewelry and people think I have the architecture role background. So I feel like that's in a way I fulfilled my dream indirectly. And I mm-hmm. think that's where the inspiration comes from.
2: Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. I want to go through your three collections and have you, um, explain a little bit about each one. Let's start with repertoire because it includes the U-hoops, which we talked Mm -hmm. about, the story about that, and the stacking rings.
1: Okay. So um, repertoire was actually inspired by a um, a needlework pattern, a cross-stitching pattern that I used to do. And I just tweaked it a bit so that it's more... Um, tight and, and, and it works better and it flo- flows better and I I just loved it and I kept imagining it being the ring or an earring and I just kept multiplying the pattern until I came up with, with something that worked for me. Uh, the reason I called it repertoire is because I got into an obsessive phase over reformer Pilates. I still am obsessed with reformer Pilates. And mm-hmm. I loved how every time there is a set of repertoires that you do, and the instructor uses that word a lot, and it, it just rings nicely, and it feels perfectly. And it just made me realize that we all find our own repertoire, our own flow, our own, like, there, there is, everyone has their own, I don't know, like, I love routine. I Routine is very important for me because I have a very busy life and if I don't have, the routine is the one comfort I have in my life. So I do, I eat the same thing every day. I do the same thing every morning and I have my own repertoire. I have my own flow. And one of the things that helped me coach, cope with stress and anxiety and long hours is reformer Pilates. That was like my one hour of just being present and being mindful and being there. And I feel like the the pattern reflects that because it's repetitive you can multiply it to infinity and it will always look like something different and it just falls into each other nicely separately it looks nice and i think i think that it captured my repertoire and i started off with the four pieces and then i expanded the collection and introduced the stackable rings which were initially done for my daughter because she is a diva sometimes and (laughs) she my first collection was more bold, and the only small piece was the stud. She's like, yeah, but I like rings more. And this was like, she's turning 11 this June, so this was early last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's like, but I love rings the most, and you know that. And I'm like, yeah, but the ring is not for your age. And so I took the, uh, the ring, the uh, dual ring and the tri ring, and I dissected it. So I mm-hmm. separated the pattern. I tried to separate it and see what I can create out of it. And I created three different rings, which are the diadem ring and two variations: the repertoire tiara ring, and the um, the uh, crown ring. The um, so this is the third one, the thicker one. Mm-hmm. And I made a no diamond um, prototype for her, and so she wears the um, tiara ring, and I wear the diadem ring, and they actually fit right into each other because we're the same ring size.
2: Uh-huh. But now
1: hers is a bit tight because she's outgrowing everything including <laughs> her rings. <laughs> um, but it, it was like our former friendship bracelets but it was like more of a friendship ring and then that was how the that that aspect of the collection was born and okay. it was actually done for her but then it turned into something else and people love them and so yeah
2: Oh, I love I love hearing that background that the personal piece of you into the repertoire collection that's, yeah. I, I love that, Noor. Thank you. <laughs> and how they all fit together and how it's a um, like a friendship. Um, it, yes. And there again, jewelry has such special meaning.
1: That's the essence of this collection. It's like you get things at your own repertoire and you mix match pieces the way that works for you. And it's very diverse. And there are different color goals, yellow, rose, white. There are ones with diamonds, ones with that. And I feel like even the buying behavior of, of this collection reflects that the essence of the word repertoire.
2: Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I love how that all ties in. Okay, your yeah. Troika collection. Tell us about that.
1: So I actually developed my Troika spiral ring and earring before I did any of my other jewelry pieces. I did it it was three AM. I, I was like, I couldn't sleep. I was playing around with flyers and beads because I didn't have pearls. And I was trying them on. I was trying them on as rings. I was trying them on as earrings. I was just playing around. And it was like this crafty project. And I remember I still have the photos of me trying them on in the middle of the night. That's how, that's how I know the time because it, it clocks the time when you're taking the photos. <laughs> uh-huh. And they were the first pieces I worked on when I started um, experimenting with jewelry. But I, I parked it and then I started wearing it. Like again, one of the habits I have is any prototype I do I wear it for a couple of weeks, two to three weeks before I even remanufacture it in quantities because I find it very important to ensure that the mechanism works, the quality is good, nothing will fall off. Um, is it comfortable? Can I wear it for a long period? Is it too heavy? Is it too light? Is it uncomfortable? Does it does it is it too snug? And I just it, it, it's a, it's a lot of trial and error again a lot of experimentation It allows me to go back and be like you know what remove this I don't like this actually this is perfect let's go ahead so um I was wearing the, the spiral knuckle rings as pinky rings and knuckle rings for a while and people kept asking about them and so that's how I came up with like I, I needed to expand the collection and um I I know to, I love the number three I was born on the third of April um, mm-hmm. A lot of the good things in my life happen in tweeds, and um, I just like, I find it a very balanced number. I like triangles a lot. I feel like it incorporates wholeness, completion, perfection. and Again, I feel like that reflects how I am as a person. Um, there is balance, but there is imbalance at the same time, and I, I just love, I love triangles, generally speaking. And so, um, troika is a Russian word. Uh, repertoire is a French word. Um, troika means... Torque is actually the carriage that is, um, it's it's pulled by horses, mm-hmm. and I felt like there was that movement, and a lot of my jewelry has the organic movement and that feel to it, but at the same time, they have the boldness, and they have the, the structure and, and, and all that, and I felt like it works, um, it reflects my, basically, my aesthetic in a way. It was more free-spirited, more um, more feminine, more romantic. So mm-hmm. um, it was a different side of my brand personality. Um, like I said, it probably the reason I didn't start with it is because it wasn't exactly what my aesthetic was. But it's part of who I am as well. Um, we all have very um, so many personalities, especially right. as women. So <laughs> I just felt like it was time to push this collection forward. Um, and then I introduced diamonds. Um, like there are more diamonds and, and pearls and it was just softer overall very feminine it, it's such a such an easy collection um, but in a good way you know it's, you can just like dress it up dress it down you can just stack or, or wear one piece and it just works out and my personal favorite piece is the um, Lariat necklace I think it's such a simple piece but it's such a sexy sweet piece of jewelry that can make any outfit look 10 times better. But I love how it emphasizes the neckline without over, t- over overpowering it, just because it's very soft and delicate. And then the shimmer of the diamonds against your skin and that straight line going down the cleavage area. It's just such a beautiful piece that I personally love so much. I also love all the pearl pieces just because I love pearls. And pearls are my daughter's uh, birthstone. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like again i it makes her feel happy when I tell her that those are your birthstone. And this is why I was influenced to use it in this collection. It's just I love seeing that look at her on her face and her telling her <laughs> friends that yeah, because she she wears the troika uh, solo earrings. she wears the troika trio ring um, so I love that she gets to wear some of these pieces right. where they look age appropriate, but at the same time, I wear the troika. Um, dual rings, but I, or, and the Troika trier ring, but I wear three on top of each other, I stack them. And mm-hmm. my mom wears them too. And you see us all wearing them in different ways. And it's just beautiful to see that different generations can pull it off without yes. it looking age inappropriate.
2: Right, right. That's a good point. Um, When you showed me the Troika earrings when I I met you at um, J.A. New York last summer, I was transfixed, and even though it's so simple, it's so intriguing. And the Troika knuckle ring, you can use that
0: as an earring, right? Yes,
1: you can also wear it as an earring.
0: I apologize for the in-flight interruption, but I have some exciting news to share with you. Restrictions due to health and safety precautions may have you grounded, but you can still explore within the safety and sanitary environment of your own home. This week, I was featured as Enthusiast of the Week on the Tundra. It's a new enthusiast network for those who love to explore and learn about a variety of interests. The Tundra curates content from platforms like podcasts and other publications and streamlines them into featured specific groups. And I'm very excited and grateful to have been invited to be the host of my own group, Jewelry Navigator, within the gemstones category of interests on the Tundra. I'll include the link in the show notes of this podcast as well as on my website, to my Jewelry Navigator group on the Tundra. I invite you to engage and explore on my Tundra group now available on thetundra.com. I want to say a special thank you to the creators and founders of the Tundra for creating a place where enthusiasts can explore a reach of interests as vast as the Tundra itself. Thank you for your attention, ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy the rest of the episode. and then
2: the last collection you're loose
1: so loose means muer in spanish which means light one of my very good friends who's um whose name is loose um basically went through um a very difficult experience um while i was working on this collection and i just i don't know if she knows it but in a way, it was like my tribute to her, my tribute Mm -hmm. to me, my tribute to every woman, and every person who basically needs to find that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very name appropriate. It's, uh, there's always light, we just need to be patient, we need to wait, we need to, um, we need to be open to, to accepting the light when it's ready to basically appear. And that's, that's the reason I call this collection loose. And it falls right into the brand's DNA with the few hooks being reintroduced. All, the, I think this is the most um, stone heavy collection um, that mm-hmm. I've introduced to date. I've had, I've introduced rubies and emeralds and, and diamonds. And um, most of the pieces have uh, precious stones and they're, they just, they're so brilliant. They're so attractive. They're perfect. tonight they're, they're very elegant. They, I just like this is such a refined collection. It's I didn't I didn't launch a lot of pieces, but it's so refined and it's so multifunctional and it just it's just I don't know, it's it has a very special place um in my heart. I feel like all my collections have very special places in my heart. They all have stories and they all were made during certain phases of my life and my journey and there were good days and there were horrible days and there Mm -hmm. were days where you feel like, you know, what did I get myself into? And then Mm -hmm. something happens and you're like, oh my God, I'm so happy. I'm so proud of myself. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it just captures that in just this very minimalist collection. But every single piece in this collection is a powerful piece. The Signet Ring is one of my all-time favorite pieces. It's, It's just such a beautiful piece, very sharp, very different, very simple, very elegant. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom has it in a normal ring size, so she has it in a size 7 because she wears it on her ring finger. Mm-hmm. I like to wear it on my pinky finger, um, and it works. Again, it works. It's very timeless. Um, I The loose lure drop earrings are crazy cool and, and fun and special and very multifunctional because the Huggies are detachable, so you add that piece. It's very organic. It moves so nicely. It just frames the face, and it's a showstopper. Same mm-hmm. thing with the loose amulet bar. It's more, more on the fancier side, but it's it's a piece of art. It's fun. It's so much fun. It's like playing dress up every single day. Like even, yes. like again, I I I wear my jewelry a lot, and I need to like, I I feel like I have this obligation to wear them the best I could. You know, at the end of the day, you're like a walking model, but oh. then it always works because people are always asking about my jewelry. They don't even know. Like I was in Italy and someone's like, I love your earrings. And I'm like, Oh, I'm a designer. <laughs> and then someone else was like, I was, I was in Amsterdam and someone mentioned they love, my I don't know. I think it was my rings. And I was like, Oh, I'm a designer, and I was with my mom in London, and someone mentioned they love my jewelry, and my mom was like, my daughter is a jewelry designer. And I was like, mom. <laughs> but yeah, like, the fact that they do notice the jewelry is exactly what should be happening. So yeah. yeah, every time I try on a piece, like, during prototyping and before production, I just, like, the more compliments, the more successful the piece is. So I try, I try to, like, I try to get there for, like, everyone just to feel yeah. good about herself and... It's just beautiful. It's, it's, jewelry is very beautiful.
2: It really is. Now that we understand the aesthetics a little bit more and how they work with your demographics and how versatile they are, tell us a little bit about the ethical story behind the metals and the materials that you use because that's a really important part of your story as well.
1: Metal mining uses about 10% of the global energy and it results in contributing to poisonous emissions landscape damage and human rights violations and so recycled and conflict-free metals basically is a very important aspect um, in, in reducing that because you are literally producing sustainable jewelry by reducing the amount of mining that's needed mm-hmm. so recycled jewelry is not a bad thing it's, it's it does not lose its value. It does not lose its its um, its um, quality. None of that. And all suppliers, my manufacturers, suppliers are certified by the Responsible Jewelry Council, and they have all these um, laws and 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 criteria for them to basically um, source the metals from responsible mines. And everything has to be there. There is protection of human rights and the environment. The diamonds are. Sourced from countries that are in compliance with the Kimberley process certification scheme and um, responsible sourcing is very important because one you are providing best quality diamonds with highest integrity so you it's like two things in one where you don't have to worry about an ethical um, mining and then these mines also you they have fair wage they have um, uh, there is equality in the workplace, uh, female male ratio, all that stuff, gender equality, and at the end of the day, we're all, in a way, contributing to the world and 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 to to the environment. And if I, I it just made me realize that we all can make small contributions, but these small contributions add up, and then you're helping in 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 the way you know. And so it just improves the quality of life for everyone in the long run and or sustains the quality of life just because it's the quality of life is already not as great as it should be. We we should be doing way more than we are. I did not know that you can have ethically made jewelry before I got into making jewelry, especially like when I got exposed to my manufacturer in New York who has been with me from like day one. and i i am very grateful that i have the right partners and i call them partners be it my fulfillment center my manufacturer um anyone who works with me is a partner because they allow me to bring my vision to life and i am disabled without them because Mm -hmm. they have a very important role in everything i do um and he actually helped me a lot and educated me a lot when it came to Um, ethically um, made jewelry. He explained to me what fair mind uh, means. He explained to me what ethical jewelry is made out of. He explained to me uh, a lot of things about environmental sustainability and recycled and conflict-free metals and responsible mining, and I had no idea this stuff existed.
2: That makes your jewelry all that more appealing, and knowing that that can be part of your story is so important for so many people who are aware of what goes into making sure yeah. that, you know, all resources, whether they're natural or human, are being respected and, um, you know, cared for in the process. So yeah. educating people on those aspects is so important, and that's why I love sharing jewelry and stories like yours because you are doing the right thing so right. yeah that's
1: that's fantastic and i'd love to move to 100 percent mind at a certain point um again it's a process and there's registration and certain criteria and stuff but this is something that i'd love to um move towards soon um but right now i'm a member of the ethical meadow smith which is great and I just it, it just allows that conversation to take place. Um, and you get exposed to like so many things that I wouldn't know and people would mention things about um an unethical minds or problems that are happening or this and that and it's a it's an educational tool. I feel like again, at the end of the day this whole experience is a very it's it's an experience and there's so much education involved in it and so much Um, awareness that comes with it. And you just like grow and grow and grow and learn new things and develop yourself the best you could and develop the business to the best I could. So yeah.
2: Right, right, exactly. I love how, just like you said, your collections have followed along with your story and your journey. Um, As a designer and as as a woman you know interconnecting your past experiences what you've loved since childhood so where can people find your jewelry are you in stores or do you mostly sell um, from events and online
1: I ship worldwide I offer free shipping within the USA um, and I sell so I'm like everything's available online I sell a lot during events um, I have a stockist in Los Angeles Rose Arc they have my stuff most of my stuff and uh, they sell my jewelry there um, I also have a stockist in Saudi Arabia um, and when I'm in the UAE I have a clientele as well here um, like in, in the UAE and um, at, people can reach me um, via social media or on my email on the website and they're responsive, and yeah, that's uh, they they can find me um, online anytime. Okay. I never sleep, so <laughs> I usually respond really fast with all the time difference I have to deal with <laughs> Nora, you have to sleep. <laughs> I try, I try. <laughs>
2: No more designing jewelry at three a.m. Well, I, I no one can stop your creative machine. I, I, know, I know. I know
1: what that's like. It's yeah. horrible. You're usually most creative when you're supposed to be, like, fast asleep, and then all I know. the or trying to sleep or trying to get something very irrelevant done, and then all of a sudden creative creativity juices are just flowing and you're like all over the place so
2: Mm -hmm. i know i know what that's like well i really appreciate getting to know you more noor you're um you're a delight and so so lovely all right noor
0: thank
1: Thank you you. okay thank you have a lovely day you too Bye. bye
0: Bye. i hope you enjoyed today's episode with noor shama You can find Noor at NoorShama.com. She's also featured in Rose Art, and that's in Los Angeles. Check her website for other stockists as well at NoorShama.com. I also want to thank The Tundra for featuring me this week as this week's enthusiast. Be sure to check out The Tundra and my group on Jewelry Navigator. It's a really cool platform. I'm really enjoying it, and... um, Tons of rabbit holes to fall down. (laughs) Good ones. Um, But if you have interests and hobbies, be sure to check them out. They do a great job of presenting a platform of all kinds of curated content. Until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and cross-check your sparkle. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.